I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Red alert. All hands stand to battle stations. Luck has foils and attack positions. Prepare for battle! Autobots, roll out! Get ready, it's your weekly dose of nerd culture. All wings report in. With your crew, Obi-John Kenobi. Hello there. Commander Scott. Nothing amazing about it. I know this ship like the back of my hand. Julian. You tell him I'm coming! And hell's coming with me, you hear? And the Doc. Great Scott! Movies, TV, streaming, video games, comic books, board games, toys, collectibles, cosplay, conventions. If it's happening in the world of geekdom, we're talking about it. So lock and load, bag and board, and roll for initiative. We've got your... Nerd alert! Hello there, it's Obi-John Kenobi, your favorite host in all the podcast, and welcome to another fresh episode of Nerd Alert. Joining me today for our super fun topic uh, is my right-hand man, the man who keeps the nerd in the Top Nerdy TV network, the host of the fastest-growing and probably best-produced show on this entire network, House Rules, ladies and gentlemen, Commander Scott. So, my wife sent me a TikTok the other day. Your wife, She-Hulk? My, my wife, uh, the She-Hulk, yes. Uh, if you listen to the previous episode, the one that, uh, um, uh, what was it, Nailed Penny Benjamin? That was the... <laughs> The best episode title ever. She-Hulk smashed Penny Benjamin. She-Hulk smashed Penny Benjamin. Uh, she sent me a TikTok, uh, and, and it was hilarious as hell. I'm not going to be anywhere near as funny delivering this information as the gentleman the TikTok was, because he really does a good job, and I'm mediocre at best. But uh, <clears throat> it's about a gentleman uh, during World War II called, uh, his name was Owen J. Baggett. He was a lieutenant. Uh, in uh, the, uh, I think, the 7th Bomber Group stationed, yes, yeah, United States 7th Bomb Group, uh, stationed out of uh, Pandavaswar, India, during the Second World War. Um, on March 31st, 1943, while, while uh, stationed there, uh, his squadron was ordered to destroy a bridge near Burma. Uh, before reaching their target, uh, their squadron of B-24s were intercepted. His plane was severely damaged and set on fire by several hits. The fuel tanks, because these are B-24s, they were known as flying coffins uh, because they, they they were very easily shot down. They, they weren't a very well-designed aircraft. The crew was forced to bail out, uh, and, and they did escape the crippled B-24 only seconds before it exploded. Uh, however, Japanese pilots, of course, then began attacking the U.S. airmen as they parachuted to Earth, which technically is a war crime. Um, Baggett himself, who had been wounded, uh, decided to play dead, hoping the enemy pilots, which this was not unheard of either, would ignore him. However, one of the fighters flew close enough to him and slowed down. To make sure he was actually dead, Baggett was able to see him open his canopy. And as a result, he's like, you know what? Screw this. He drew his 45 caliber 1911 pistol 
fired four shots at the 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 uh, the, the Japanese pilot, uh, wounding the Japanese pilot, and he watched as the plane stalled and then plunged toward the ground. That's the last he ever saw of of him. And uh, Baggett uh, then survived the war. He was a, he was taken prisoner upon landing. But for uh, but pretty much he 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 is credited as the only person to ever have confirmed to shoot down an enemy aircraft using a pistol, and the pistol in question, of course, is the aforementioned forty-five caliber ACP nineteen eleven. Thus, adding one more feather in the cap of that weapon, in that it is one of the best handheld weapons ever designed by man. Love the nineteen. All right, well, Sky gets his weird gun boner off. <laughs> that has got to be the most unique, uh, um, like, if you're comparing war stories, that's got to be, like, the ultimate, uh, forgive the expression, ace in the hole. But, oh, yeah, yeah, I shot a zero down. You, wait, what? Yeah, oh, yeah, I'm just sitting there in my parachute. <laughs> I see this bastard. Like, that's 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 awesome. Um yeah, and something I imagine probably has not been duplicated. To my knowledge, it has not. Though technically it wasn't a zero. I didn't mention the fighter type, but it wasn't a zero. It was a KI-43. But Scott? Yeah. All Japanese fighters were zeros, just like all <laughs> flying dinosaurs are pterodactyls. Oh. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> routing out our trio uh, joining us from somewhere in time and space perhaps via DeLorean ladies and gentlemen it's the doc you see the size of that goddamn chicken you keep asking us this dude we, no, no one saw the chicken you're talking about no no we didn't see the size of it Thinks he's so funny with that you same full Star Trek. There, I said it. Whoa, wow. Why are you trying to get Scott all wild up this early in the show? Going right for the jugular with that. Excuse me. Wow, dude. Someone just cut his mic off. That's just terrible. I don't I don't know why we keep having him on the show. <coughs> just yeah, just replace me. It's fine. You can. Good. All right. So we're gonna replace the doc. He's gone. Say goodbye, doc. Okay, goodbye, Doc. I don't have a goodbye, sorry. <laughs> it was such a good ruse. Uh, the Doc's not here. That was our Doc Simulator 2000. Uh, it's okay, because for today's topic, uh, which, by the way, if you know because you clicked on the show already, uh, we're talking favorite old-school retro video games, and to do that, much like last week, we're bringing in a ringer. Uh, we're bringing in a specialist, an expert, a guru of video games, if you will. Uh, uh, the oh crap, I had one for this. The, the, the prince of all things, ping, not ping pong. Uh, I had, you know, Steve, I'm sorry. I had a great one earlier today and I lost it. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Steve Z. <laughs> What's up, gentlemen? Thank you for joining us today, sir. Hey, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. And, uh, I do enjoy playing ping pong as well as pinball. Pin, ah, see, my mind is blank. The Prince of Pinball. That's what I was going to call you. Uh, well, for those of, for our listeners who aren't familiar, uh, give us a quick rundown of, of why you're the Prince of Pinball. And feel uh, free so, to shamelessly plug the company, please. 
Oh, sure. Yeah. So um, I am the owner of a business called Retrotech Studios. I have been doing this for around five years now, I guess. And uh, buy, sell, trade, repair, restore pinball machines. Um, I'm, I'm, I have a TikTok account if you want to look me up. And I post pinball content on there. Um, I actually did a uh, video search for some friends of mine. They were posting uh, videos of this brand new pinball machine uh, that supposedly was done by Stern uh, earlier in the week. And everybody was like, what is this? What is this? This is a new title. And I looked it up and apparently uh, Stern Pinball, they do uh, they do one-off titles for people and they call them their private label games. And uh, this is this is what that was. It was a uh, it was a one off uh, title with and they use uh, existing play fields that they already have uh, layouts and to slap their artwork and change the code to suit the theme. And, yeah, it was really cool. But uh, I looked that up for them and I helped everybody out because they were everybody was freaking out. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so. But anyway, that's uh, that is me in a nutshell. Well, if that isn't enough to prove why he's uh, our ringer of this episode, I'm sure he'll prove himself. Uh, if you remember way back to our Castlevania video, uh, Steve is the only person who's been on the show who puts my note taking to shame. Uh, so <laughs> whatever he says will be thoroughly researched uh, and backed up, I'm sure. But what we're here to talk about today is a casual conversation among friends about our favorite old school retro games. Um, and I threw something out uh, uh, to Scott to help kind of try to narrow down our feel for choosing stuff. But he tells me uh, there's actually, Steve, there is an actual classification for, is it classic or vintage gaming? So I listen to a lot of the Retronauts podcast. It's hosted by a gentleman. His name is Jeremy Parrish. He, uh, if you go on YouTube and you look him up, he is doing uh, chronological surveys of pretty much every game on every system ever made. You know, from NES, the Sega SG-1000. He just finished that one up not too long ago. Um, you know, he's just he he's just a history nut. You know, and I'm really into his stuff. And the over the over the years that Retronauts has existed, it's uh, they say anything older than 10 years old is considered retro and can be talked about in, in, oh, wow. that, in that rhetoric. But, you know, that's, uh, that's what they say. You know, I, uh, I'm more than happy and willing to uh, stick to the rules that you made for the podcast. You know, this yeah, is so I was thinking in, in the world of cars, uh, I think it's 20 or 25 years to be considered a vintage car. Um, so that's that's the rules I threw out. Um, but we'll see what happens right. as the game goes, or at the games as the, as the show goes. Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, that being said, uh, who wants to kick this thing off? Oh, you know, I'll uh, I'll go first. That's fine. Alrighty. All right. So one of my favorite games when uh, when I was a kid. <laughs> and you know what? I'm I'm gonna bring a hot take and a controversial topic here uh, amongst Ooh, the, right, uh, off the here we go. <laughs> <laughs> right off the bat. Here we go. Hot take. Yep, yep, yep. I'm, I'm coming in hot, baby. <laughs> um, 
One of my favorite games growing up as a kid was Zelda 2, The Adventure of Link on the NES. Wow, that is. <laughs> okay, okay. Now, now, the reason that it's it, it, that is considered controversial and a hot topic is because all these uh, all these YouTubers and you know game reviewers and stuff over the years have labeled this a bad game, and they've labeled it a bad game because um, it's you know it doesn't play like the other Zeldas. It's considered the black sheep of the franchise, which it is because it's. You know, it's it's side-scrolling view, and the only time you're in top-down view is when you're, you know, in the overworld walking around. Um, and they basically they're making the comparisons based on, you know, what the 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 criteria and the rhetoric that's used to review games now. And it's really unfair to do that because whenever you're looking at stuff like that, you have to look at it through the lens of what was it like. Or, you know, how was it back in the day? And, you know, I can speak to that because I was there. Um, but, you know, this, the original Legend of Zelda was great, and I have a lot of fond memories of playing that with my dad. But when this game came out, it felt like it was made for me. Or, or you know, more specifically, the, the kids. Because, you know, this one was a side-scrolling platformer, and, you know, that we just ate it up. You know, was the game hard? Yes. Were the RPG elements, did they feel like they were tacked on? Yes, because they were. <clears throat> um, and did it have unfair difficulty spikes in spots? Yes, because Nintendo was trying to battle the rental market, and that was the only way that they could do it, was to you know, pipe in difficulty in places that it didn't need to be. But all that being said, I love that game. It's one of my favorites and will always be one of my favorites. It's definitely unique among the Zelda uh, games in, in, yeah, like you said, it's, it's very different from any other Zelda. Uh, and it's, it's interesting to see them right away, game number two, really kind of throwing everything out and starting over almost from scratch on what could a Zelda game be like. Um, bold. Uh, I think Steve would agree maybe it didn't quite work out as well as they had hoped it would, but it's definitely a very unique entry in that series. Well, a couple things, too, to consider as far as that goes. Um, you know, they were playing fast and loose with a lot of these franchises because they were just starting out with these, and they, they didn't know what direction they were going to go with them. So, you know, yeah, let's experiment a little bit. And the other reason, Shigeru Miyamoto was not on that project. Um, if I'm not mistaken, it was the same R&D team that did Metroid and Kid Icarus. They were the ones that kind of mainlined that and followed that all the way through. Um, Shigeru Miyamoto and his team, they were working on uh, Super Mario 3 at that point. And, you know, that game was just a multinational blockbuster. And it just, it, it changed gaming forever. So mm -hmm. just imagine, just imagine what the gaming landscape would have looked like if Miyamoto had been focused on Zelda 2 instead of, Mario 3. So it's almost a case of Super Mario Brothers 2 in the US where it wasn't a Mario game at all. It was just kind of, we slapped Mario and changed some sprites and called it that. And not quite that level, but like definitely was not the same hand guiding it as the first game. That, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that's, uh, that's a fairly uh, decent comparison. 
Scott, any thoughts on uh, Legend of Link? All I know is I was also there. (laughs) I was was there at the dawn. Uh, I remember the dark times. Uh, and, And looking back at it from the point of view of, you know, people of the time who were playing this game, I have to say, sir, it was horrible. (laughs) <laughs> we pop this game in and we're like what the holy shit is this not fucking zelda okay like, like, wait wait why am i why am i in this weird side scrolling thing and link has this weird over the shoulder throwing of a dagger that doesn't go a foot and a damn half i mean we popped it in and i got pissed at this game after about 30 seconds Imagine that. I'm like, fuck this shit. Let's pop Zelda back in. God. <laughs> I mean, I'm old enough to remember the original Legend of Zelda commercials. You know, the guy in the black turtleneck that's just running around yelling, yelling Zelda? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that commercial. And I loved Zelda, uh, the Legend of Zelda. And then I, we get we get this, this what whatever the hell it's called i've my, my ptsd has has even blocked the title out link's, link's adventure is that the subtitle uh zelda 2 the adventure of link Ventral. yeah that thing yeah yeah so we yeah. were we were running we we popped in we're like oh okay it's got some different graphics okay we can get past the different graphics so we start wandering around the world and it's like well this is just a really shitty interface i can barely tell even where i'm at and then all of a sudden it goes beep, beep, and it goes into this side scrolling bullshit i'm like what the huh what no and then I'm, I'm running around i hit the attack and literally his hand comes up and over in this walk like an egyptian style thing and he throws this little <laughs> blinky dagger that i don't know what the hell it does and i'm like what the no God no! It was horrible. It was horrible, sir. You're wrong. It's bad. It's bad. Oh, I have angered the the commander Scott. It's Nowhere in anything you said did it make any kind of sense. We're all dumber for having listened to you. I award you no points. <laughs> and then, and then God have mercy on you. Yeah, what he said. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, look, okay. hey, I, okay, I love I... outside the box picks, and that is definitely outside the box. <laughs> can can I make a couple of predictions before we go any further? Sure. Okay. All right. So my two predictions for this show: one, I don't think any of our games are going to line up uh, with each other's. They they're just going to be so wide and diverse because we're three very unique people picking games here. And two, I think that Scott's games are going to surprise me because every time I think he's going to like something, he hates it. And every time I think he'll hate something, oh, I love that. <laughs> so <laughs> Scott is a man of eclectic taste. This is very true. Yeah, that, that's one way very to put it. True. I can't say bad. I mean, I could, but I can't. <laughs> I, well, yeah. Eclectic. So, so first of all, I, I pretty much almost universally hate platformers. Okay. We, we know this. We Hate know them. this. The <laughs> stupidest premise for a video game or a game of anything ever. I think millions of children in the 80s would disagree with you. Millions of children in the 80s were idiots. Wrong. Still, <laughs> would that include himself in the 80s? Yes. Okay. Yes, it would. 
<laughs> as long as we have that established. <laughs> oh boy. Okay. All right. So I'm, that's I'm my... partially with Scott on it. I'm not a huge fan of platformers, but it has more to do with I suck at platformers. I'm not a huge fan of Mario because there are other games I'm a big fan of that are definitely that fall into that platformer category. And and I, I think I'm just not a fan of certain types of platformers. We'll, we'll get into that later. Um, Scott, now that we've uh, 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 hyped it up, what is your first pick? <laughs> well, I don't know. I guess you would consider this uh, a, a retro game or not. See, I have a very... I, I, when it comes to video games I liked back in the day and stuff and older games that I liked and I grew up with that, that just really enthralled me, um, it is definitely not your traditional games. Okay. No, I just I don't care about the tr- traditional games. I just don't. Uh, so one of my favorite games, uh, it's actually I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out kind of a series of games that encompasses four games. Okay. Okay. And that's mm-hmm. the. The, the X-Wing Flight Sim series. Nice. X-Wing, because it started out with X-Wing in 1993, went to TIE Fighter in 1994, and then in 97, we got X-Wing versus TIE Fighter, uh, and then uh, in, in uh, early 2000s, uh, actually not even early 2000s, it was like 99, 2000, we got X-Wing Alliance. <coughs> Wonderful okay. game. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, I love these games. First of all, I love flight sims. I love Star Wars. The fact that it put me into, you know, the cockpit of an X-Wing, the cockpit of an A-Wing, a B-Wing, a Y-Wing, uh, and, and everything. I, I didn't care too much for the TIE Fighters that much. Uh, I'm, I'm very much an Alliance, uh, Rebel Alliance kind of a guy. Um, but, you know, you, you, had, you had Rudder, you had Pitch, you had Yaw. Um, you could change your power output to be shield oriented, engine oriented, or weapon oriented. Uh, yeah, shield weapon or engine oriented. You could switch your your shields to even, full front, full rear, whatever you needed to do. You had a lot of control over this spacecraft. Uh, and yeah, I just I just loved it. I could I could roll, I could pitch, uh, I could I could turn this aircraft on three different axes at once. Uh, and it was it was great. Um, and, and then of course I had the time when I figured out that I was I may have been playing the game a little too much when I was I was playing one day and and I was headed toward an objective and all of a sudden I started hearing targeting beeps and warnings going off and I'm like shit what the hell so I do full you know I I, I do hard over to the left I kick right rudder completely putting this thing into a complete yaw I'm hitting target nearest enemy trying to figure out where the hell I'm being targeted from and it was. Uh, the movie that I was watching uh, on the TV in the background uh, is is where the warnings were coming from. It was actually uh, Firebirds with um, Nicolas Cage and Tommy Lee Jones. So, yeah. Love- That's usually a sign you've been gaming a bit too hard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? Uh, X-Wing was actually the first game I ever had for the computer. Oh, nice. Um, I had a a, a less than legally obtained copy from my uncle. Yeah. Um, so Uncle Tom, if you're listening, thanks, because <laughs> that also convinced my mom to go buy a joystick. Uh, because trying to play that with a mouse sucked. 
so she went out to wherever and got me a joystick for the computer. And playing that on a joystick was pretty rad. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I got quite as into it as Scott did, but I liked making the ship go whoosh and pew pew. So. Yeah, you know that was uh, that was Lucas Arts. Lucas that was that yeah. the name yeah. of their company. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, that was them at at their peak. You at know? their peak, yeah, they did great. They, it also spawned the uh, the kind of uh, the the spinoff games of the Rogue Squadron stuff. Uh, yeah, and I I didn't care for the Rogue Squadron stuff as much because it was it was it was third person. You weren't in the cockpit on those games. Right. But, but yeah, they were they were good as well. Um but no, the, the X Wing series of games was, was wonderful. Wonderful. And the fact that X Wing nineteen ninety three came on three and a half inch diskettes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Kids, if you don't know what a diskette is, um you're too young to be listening to this show. <laughs> uh no, solid first pick, Scott. In fact, I am going to uh, um, about turn. Uh, I'm going to hit um, down and C down uh, at the same time to pull a maneuver and switch up my first pick. Because if we're going to talk awesome flight sim video games, and I wouldn't really call this one a flight sim, but you, you do control an aircraft. Uh, to this day, one of my favorite games is Star Fox 64 for nice. the nintendo 64 i know it's hard to remember what system that was on yeah. um one of the first games we got when we had a 64 and i know goldeneye is kind of everyone's go-to favorite like uh uh, uh nostalgic game for 64 uh, and i i i love me some goldeneye but Star Fox for me was just like i could sit there for hours playing Star Fox. I'd finish a campaign and immediately restart over again. Uh, the game had so many awesome features. The controls were easy to learn, but hard to master. Um, okay, you've got one joystick that moves me around. I got this button that fires. Okay, uh, you know, a- as you play the game, you learn more, you know, doing the barrel roll uh, can deflect laser beams and things like that. Lots of cool power-ups for your laser and for your bombs. Uh, one of the things that kept me coming back to this, though, was even though you start and end at the same planet, your route to get to the end planet can vary depending on what course you choose and how well you do on certain missions. So you can play the game 20 times in a row and not take the same path and have the same exact experience every time. And trying to unlock some of those hidden areas or areas I couldn't get to or figure out what am I not doing, how do I get there? Uh, even within an, within a level doing certain things like the first level, has one, uh, two different bosses depending on there's the standard boss and then there's a part in that level where you have to fly underneath some stone uh, archways and if you hit all those archways it unlocks a different boss for you to fight so it was the kind of game where you know i'd be talking about friends talking to friends at school about it and some would say hey if you shoot down x number of enemies on this planet it unlocks the z zone or whatever and then immediately run home and try to complete you know you know does that work? Were they full of shit? I don't know. Uh, I didn't have Nintendo Power magazine, so I couldn't tell for sure until I tried it. Um, it had the all-range mode, which was basically uh, most of the, the levels were kind of on rails, but all-range mode meant you could ra- roam around freely. Um, it had different vehicles, so you weren't always in the R-ring. You had the Landmaster and the whatever the submarine was called. Um, I forget what it was called. 
Um, and then, of course, uh, blew my mind in 97, and it's standard on any controller you buy nowadays, the Rumble Pack. Yeah, yes. <laughs> that attachment, you had to put two AAA batteries in and slam in your controller like you were you were slamming a, a magazine into a, a, a handgun. Because nothing gets you more pumped up to play Star Fox than slapping that Rumble Pack in. Um, <laughs> I just loved the game. It, 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 infinite playability um, because, again, it gave you so much freedom uh, and so much variety in, in level design um, and cool elements like uh, if you fight Star Wolf um there's a couple different points de again depending where you go in the story where you can encounter them and during your first encounter if you take out a couple of them and then you encounter them again the couple you took out before won't come back like it it, it, it you know it always gave you a new story that was you know just a little bit different um but i loved it yeah 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 i mean yeah i was uh i was playing the original Star Fox uh, back in the day. And yeah, it was it was very unique and there wasn't anything quite like it at the time. And uh, thanks to a uh, thanks to a little studio called uh, Argonaut Argonaut Studios, I believe it is. They they're they're out of uh, out of England. They were the ones that developed the 3D FX chip and the uh, the software for the original Star Fox, and yeah, it just it spawned a legacy. It always blew my mind they never did a follow up to Star Fox sixty four. Uh, we got that weird adventure thing where it's Star Fox and a dinosaur lady doing like a yeah yeah. But there was there was I, I thought for sure you know this was such a great game. I thought by ninety nine we'll have a Star Fox sixty four two or something, and yeah, never got it. So. Well, we we did get a Star Fox for the Wii U, and it was so poorly received because the controls were just incredibly confusing and janky. And um, after that, it was pretty much curtains for the series. Nintendo don't don't want to pull it out of the ball, you know, for whatever reason. So, most of playing Smash um, Brothers. Yeah, the uh, now the. The DS got a uh, Star Fox game that was supposed to be pretty good. Okay. So, what? but yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, after uh, 64, they didn't do a whole whole lot with the series, and it's unfortunate because it was beloved by a lot a lot of people. Well, with the. Uh... With the uh, uh, I I forget what it's called, but the 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 gyroscope, you know, tracking effect of the switch, you know, where you can actually move the switch left and right, up and down to do things. Uh -huh. I'm surprised we haven't gotten one for the switch just because of that, because you, you could have it in your cockpit view and you could actually fly with your switch. You know, you could you know turn by going left. You'd, Turn back to the right, pitch up, pitch down. You could do all that, and if you jerked it hard to the left or right, you could do a barrel roll. You know, and, and <laughs> uh, so with, with that yeah. functionality of the switch, I'm surprised we haven't gotten a Firefox there. Which it is actually not called a barrel roll; it's an a aileron roll. I think that's how you pronounce it. Yes, uh, the, the technical <laughs> term would be aileron roll. Somebody's been watching uh, uh, Angry Fish Game Game Nerd. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> in the immortal words of Peppy, 
do a barrel roll. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and I love, it's not just superfluous. Doing a barrel roll will cause laser blast to bounce off the R wing. Yeah, it's strategy. Uh, no, I, I just I, I love this game. To this day, it's one of those games where like, eh, let's put let's put Star Fox in. Uh, it's, it's so much fun. It's so addicting. And there's there's I think there's still one or two levels I've never managed to get to. So I'm I'm, you know, I'm still not done with it. Uh, yep. Yep. Good good pick. Good stuff. I was gonna say I was was gonna do mine in chronological order, but Scott bringing up X Wing, I just thought I'd jump on that. So I'll go backwards in time for the rest of them. Yeah, there you go. Steve, All right. back, to- um, back to me. Okay. Uh, so I'm going to go uh, handheld this time. So um, I, I was a huge fan of the JRPG genre back in the day. I don't play a lot of them now simply because I don't have time. But... Uh, one one of the one of the JRPG games that I absolutely fell in love with was Final Fantasy Legend Two on the original Game Boy. So, Steve, uh, uh, to quote Star Wars, you're going down a path I can't follow. <laughs> That's fine. I'll, you're, gonna, uh, you're gonna have you're gonna have to lead me through this one because I got nothing to contribute on that. <laughs> I'll uh yeah yeah sure I'll uh I'll I'll break it down here. All right, so in in America they wanted Square wanted to release uh more RPGs and the only thing that they had really done up to that point was the original Final Fantasy on the NES. So, and uh I'd have to look at dates. I'm wanting to say the Super Nintendo was right set right in that pocket too, um, and we got Final Fantasy II, which was Final Fantasy IV in Japan. Um, but they released a series of games on the Game Boy. These were uh, these were Saga Frontier games, but they rebranded them as Final Fantasy games over here, so that they would sell. And we actually got four Super Nintendo or Super Mario Two on us again, huh? <laughs> um kind of sort of not yeah. quite that bad yeah well um i mean you know they 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 were rpgs they they set in that niche um and we actually got four games we got final fantasy legend one two and three and final fantasy adventure um and these were uh these were saga frontier games i forget what the japanese names for them are and then uh final fantasy legend was um Seiken Densetsu, which is uh, Secret of Mana, it was the first game in that series. So, pretty cool. But uh, Final Fantasy Legend 2, you're basically, you're, you're in this world, and all these other worlds and planes of existence are connected by this tower. And you are setting out on a journey to find your father and collect pieces of this statue, um, and the, your whole goal is there's like, I forget, there's like 80 or 90 pieces of the statue that you have to collect. And you and you go to all these different worlds and, you know, each one is themed differently. And it was just it was a huge, sprawling adventure. And, you know, I just I fell in love with it because it was so much fun. And 
it it really did you know invoke the imagination you know because one minute you'll be in samurai world and then the next minute you'll be you know over in this dark cave fighting uh norse gods you know just all kinds of random crazy shit going on in this game but uh yeah it was fabulous i loved it sounds awesome yeah 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 you should uh you should kind check of a it out genre mashup a little bit yep yep so yeah, good stuff to quote sean connery in the highlander sounds revolting <laughs> not the quote i thought you were going to go for Sounds, yeah, positive, it, horrendous. God, you are are you just gonna roast me all night, Scott? <laughs> no, no, no. I, well, yes, but not, not all night. Not, not on purpose. Not on purpose. You and I do have very different tastes when it comes to video games and stuff. So uh, when you say the JRPG, you know, Final Fantasy stuff, that that style of game where you stop and you pick an action for each one of your players and then you click go and they all do their actions and you stop and you pick an action for your players and blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Turn-based yeah. combat? Yeah. I hate that game. God, I hate that. That's annoying as shit. So when Final Fantasy VI came out, they in- introduced the real-time uh, battle system where... Um, yeah, basically everything flowed in real time. You know, there was no... Everything happens in a turned order. Monsters could attack you two or three times before you actually get your turn, or vice versa. Yeah, I just... I don't care for that entire style of gameplay. I I didn't play any of the Final Fantasies, because I don't like any of them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I'm just I'm just not a fan of the game going, okay, everything's going good, you're, you're, you're running along, everything's cool. You got combat, okay, wait, stop, everybody, stop what you're doing. Just shut it down, stop playing your game for a minute, you got some decisions to make here. What do you oh, want come to- on, dude. The fanfare is- at the end. I just have to play devil's advocate a little bit here. Scott, isn't that kind of the video game equivalent of, okay, stop, roll for initiative? Yeah, yeah, it, it okay. is the video game equivalent of that. You're right. Okay. But, but on a tabletop, it, 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 the tabletop doesn't stop everything. Like, the tabletop flow doesn't stop. Okay. Talk is continuing to go. Like everybody is just as immersed when you say, "All right, everybody, roll for initiative." Cool, got it. That, 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 because the game master can take it real time. Okay. Whereas the video game has to completely stop everything, and you have to start going through menus. Because on a tabletop, from a role-playing game standpoint, I don't have to say, "Okay, we're going into combat now." John, what would you like to do? Would you like to pick from menu one? Talking actions, menu two, combat actions, <laughs> menu three, spell actions. Please tell me your selection now. Why, Can you Scott repeat the list? The I wasn't paying attention. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, that would be menu one, <laughs> talking actions, menu two. See, you don't have to do that in a, in a tabletop role-playing game. But I want you... to fireball the darkness. Yes, okay. You have selected. You have selected menu three. Under menu three, would you like to cast which spell? So you don't have to go through that rigid of a structure. Okay. But in a video game, you do. And, okay. and because because you have to make it that rigid of a structure in a video game, I don't like it. 
I'm just playing devil's advocate because I'm with you. I hate turn-based combat. The the first uh, RPG I ever really got into was Mass Effect because it dropped all the turn-based and yeah. was real-time cover-based shooter mechanic stuff. Yeah. So I'm with you, Scott. I just, yeah. I just had a thing. Yeah, and I, I understand the argument, and, and I get it, which is why I have a counter-argument prepped for it because uh, it's not the first time I've heard that argument. Um but uh, Steve, like you said, uh, the 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 first Final Fantasy to drop the turn based, you know, and and try to do a real time combat, yeah. I didn't like that either because what they did was they didn't drop turn based combat. And that's a little bit of a misnomer. They did drop the pause and select format, but it is still turn based combat. It just means that your foes are able to pick their actions faster than you can, and they get to hit you three and four times before you get to react. Those are like randomized turn-based. <laughs> but, but you also get that same, you know, uh, what sort I'm looking for, advantage at times, so... Uh, yeah, I'll have to take your word for it. Once again, I didn't play any of the Final Fantasy games at all. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't, I just don't like that style of combat, um, because it literally has to, like, the first, I forget which one, I, so, my friends all, you know, talked about Final Fantasy and how great it was, and I, I tried playing one, I think on PS2 that came out, it was the first Final Fantasy I tried to play. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know, remember which one, but it was the most boring experience I've ever had in my life because it was like, okay, read this dialog box. Click A. Cool. Or X or whatever it was to continue. Okay, now read this dialog box. X, dialog box. X, dialog box. X, dialog I sat there for 45 minutes and read a novella before I got to do anything. And then it went into the tutorial. I got to pick one action for each and I went into another 30-minute novella of dialog boxes. But you like to read. I do like to read when I'm reading. <laughs> Not in my video games. I don't want oh, yeah. to read this movie. Yeah, if I'm going to do that, I'm going to shut the video game off. I'm going to go outside and I'm going to crack open a nice book. Well, there you go. Yeah, I, I was, uh, I've never been a big fan of turn-based combat or the Final Fantasy series in general. It's just, it's not for me. Those who like a- more power to Sorry, go ahead. I have always been envious of the the immer- immersive storytelling you get from JRPGs. And again, that's part of why I love the Mass Effect series so much, is it was the first game to take that kind of in-depth character and, and storytelling and then just mash it with, like, real-time combat. Um, it, it was, it was like, uh, if... if uh, this is going to sound belittling to my favorite game series, but it's like if... if uh, if uh, I can't think of um, Jerry Bruckheimer uh, made a, a, a JRPG, that's sort of what Mass Effect is. Uh, it's, it's like Michael Bay's um, uh, JRPG. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> again, I don't mean to belittle Mass Effect, but uh, it's good. It's JRPG, but it's got explosions and you can drive space trucks and yeah. <laughs> Michael Bay explosions. <laughs> if you talk to one person enough time, you'll get to have sexy time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, sorry. Oh, man. Okay. All right. So, uh, 
Commander Scott, let's hear your next pick. Yeah, Steve has chosen his moves from his drop-down menu. Now it's your turn, Scott. <laughs> well, let's see. There's so many menus I could choose from. I don't know. I just don't know. That's bullcrap. Uh, but uh, one of my favorite games of all time, I spent many hours playing this game. Uh, and it, while it did not invent this genre of uh, of gaming, uh, I do believe it made it popular. And that is the first person shooter, the FPS. Um, but back in the day, I played quite a bit of Doom Two. Ah, uh, yes. Doom Two released uh, by what was it? ID. Id Software, is that what it was? Yeah, Id Software. Yep, yep. Uh, in 1995. Of course, it is the sequel to Doom, which is somewhat of a spiritual successor itself to Wolfenstein 3D. Mm-hmm. I guess you could call it. You know, you could say that. Which yeah. I found very funny. Um, in, in 1996, I think. When Doom 2 was kind of at its height, I think Quake was on the horizon and everything. And then you had... <coughs> Excuse me. You had the uh, the movie The Net with Sandra Bullock came out. <laughs> Sorry. Every yeah, time no. I think about that movie, it just makes me laugh. Oh, yeah. Kids, if you ever wanted to see what morons thought the internet was going to be back in the 90s, watch The Net with Sandra Bullock. Yeah. Well, what about Johnny Mnemonic? Well, Johnny Mnemonic. Hey, no, that's a classic with yeah, talking yeah. dolphins and Dolph Lundgren as a murderous priest. But John, Johnny <laughs> Mnemonic is is cyberpunk. It's, yeah. It's, it's somewhat bad cyberpunk. Yeah, it, it's bad cyberpunk. But it's, it's somewhat inspired by the works of, uh, uh, what's his name, Gib- Gibson Henry. Forget his name. Now the guy, the guy that wrote Neuromancer and, and such. So it's not really like a, a, a true to life. Hey, we think the net, the internet is going to be this. That's that's network fantasy straight up. Whereas right. the net was grounded in reality. Like you know, the net was supposed to be this is what the internet is going to be. Almost like hackers tried to be. <laughs> <laughs> you know. I mean, we could do There's, a show on 90s movies that got technology wrong. Right, first of all, I think we need to now because there's a great, and by great, I mean terrible double feature, Hackers and the Net. <laughs> yeah, now, I love Hackers. I want to force Gen Z to sit down and watch Hackers and the Net. <laughs> um, this is what we thought it was going to be like, kids. <coughs> we didn't know. Go ahead. We were go. wrong. But yeah, in the net, you know, she's a game designer, a game developer, and she's developing like this next generation video game. And the game footage they use is Wolfenstein 3D, which is which is like, you know, nowhere near where Doom 2 was at the time the movie came out. As I was in the theaters going, wait, wait, really? We're we're doing Wolfenstein 3D for this? Shit. Are, Are you on? Okay, All right. Whatever. Anyway, um, so first-person shooter, while it did not invent the genre of the first-person shooter, I believe it is the game that that carried it forward. Uh, Like, we could not have first-person shooters today if it wasn't for Doom 2. 
No, it damn near perfected it. Yeah. Oh, um, absolutely. Now, when you go back and play it now, it takes a little bit of getting used to because you can't, you still can't translate up or down. And it doesn't matter. Just whatever you're pointing at, you know, if it's above you, you're going to shoot above you. It, it doesn't matter. Yep. But it was wonderful. And it had it had network capabilities. Like, you could play this over LAN. You could play this multiplayer. This yep. was the first game that I ever played multiplayer with some friends of mine. And in high school, uh, <coughs> we, uh, we had... We had we, 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 we had many nights. So a friend of mine, his parents were, um, I don't know if they were architects. I don't know exactly what they were, but they had like their own their their own office, which was like a little like construction trailer, you know, out in the middle of BFE Marion County. And inside it, they had four network computers on oh. a lane. At home, and this is like 1995-ish, late 95 going into 96. And he had Doom 2 installed on all four of these machines. <laughs> so, you know, so I, I, you know, I'm, I've got my license. And in fact, this might have even been junior year. I've got my license, you know, uh, and everything. And a lot of kids, they get their license, they go out, they stay out way too late. Uh, you know, they get in trouble with their parents because their parents don't know where they're at and they they, they got to go find them and stuff because they're out, you know, in a bonfire and they're drinking and all that good stuff. No, no, when it came to come to me, so my parents had to come out and find me like, you know, at midnight on a Sunday night, you know, they didn't know where I was and I was in this trailer hole up playing Network Doom 2. Um, <laughs> uh, and uh, one of so one of the machines that that ran it was an old uh, Gateway 386 processor, a 386 megahertz processor with like shit for RAM and everything. And the only way to get this thing to Doom to run on this machine and run um, with any kind of you know uh, non lag and run it run it smooth is a we had a special boot disk which would just boot what we needed in the memory just to run that. Like it wasn't even, it wouldn't even, it wasn't even running. It didn't have the drivers loaded necessary to run windows because we're mm -hmm. just running doom too. And you mm -hmm. had to shrink the screen to the size of about two inches by two inches. Yep. You get it to run smooth. Now the other ones, they were Pentiums. They, they were, there was a, there was a Pentium two and a Pentium three processor. I think you, you keep in mind that this is like 45 damn years ago. Yeah. Uh, so I don't remember what the specs were on the other ones, but yeah, I, I got stuck with I got stuck with the 386 quite a bit when 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 we played, and uh, uh, I got to the point where I could only play Doom Two on like a two and a half inch two and a half inch screen. <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful funny. game, wonderful game. And I didn't realize I actually didn't realize until this past year that Sandy Peterson was one of the game designers. On this game. Yeah. Uh, Sandy Peterson, of course, if anybody out there is listening, is a fan of role-playing games and stuff. He is the person who is primarily considered responsible for the design of the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game published by Chaosium. Hmm. And and he he was one of the lead designers on Doom 2. So, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, can I drop a couple random factoids about 
Doom and Doom 2? We'd be upset if you didn't. Only if they're false. <laughs> huh? Only if they're false. <laughs> he said the, he said the word of the day, kids. Factoid. 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 <laughs> Scott has a fun factoid about factoids. Oh. <laughs> okay. Factoids are technically false facts that are believed to be true. That's the definition of the word factoid. Really? So the fact that people think a factoid is a factual fact is in itself a factoid. Huh. Interesting. I, I did not know that. That would be why factoid is a factoid. The more you know. <laughs> See, Scott is there to learn you something, whether you want to or not. Yeah, well, cool. <laughs> well, thanks for the... Uh, Thanks for the uh, literary lesson there. Hey. Or, and, yeah. And knowing is 2448's the battle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So Some tidbits. A couple tidbits here. Yeah, there. There we go. Um, so, yeah. Uh, John Romero and John Carmack, you know, they were rock stars when Doom 2 came out. Oh, yeah. Uh, I had their posters on my wall. Yeah. I mean, they really were. You know, they... Uh, see, Scott, I know you mean that as a joke, but I could honestly see you having a poster of video game designers on your wall. So you played yourself there, bud. <coughs> yeah, I could. Uh, yeah, I could see that, too. Um, they... Uh, they pretty much cemented how uh, <clears throat> how a lot of shareware stuff was handled moving forward, you know, on the internet, because when they dropped Doom initially, you know, it was through shareware, and they uploaded on the server, and, you know, all the uh, uber computer nerds were so hyped about this game because they'd heard so much about it. You know, they were like, oh, my God, they crashed the server trying to download it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um. Doom 2 was uh, was the first Doom game to be sold in stores, believe it or not. And uh, there are a group of um, hackers, programmers, whatever you want to call them, that, uh, much like Skyrim, take great pleasure in porting Doom to anything and everything that could potentially and possibly run it. <laughs> well, so. And and Doom 2 was one of the first computer games that was very heavily modded. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, um, they, they, uh, they both came with, uh, with the level creation tools. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, I purchased a book back in the day on how to use those tools. And for a, uh, for a school project, I, uh, I was in a uh, computer it was called student technology leadership, but basically, you know, you were learning about computers, how to use computers, blah, 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 blah. And uh, they had a conference every year. So at the conference that I went to my first year, I was uh, showing people how to make and edit levels in Doom and uh, Heretic. Oh, Heretic. I forgot about Heretic. Yep. So, heretic uh, so um, yeah, um, that was... Uh, <clears throat> yeah, I, I share your enthusiasm with this one. Well, I, I had uh, I had an entire level because I remember downloading uh, custom levels for Doom Two. I had an entire level was that was based on 
the 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 rescue of Princess Leia from the Death Star. So you were literally it was it was a Star Wars mod. Like all the all the all the skins for the the monsters were stormtroopers uh, and such. Um, so it, it had it had uh, um, audio clips from the movies plopped into it. So you were literally on the Death Star. Mm-hmm. There shooting. was a Ghostbusters <laughs> Doom Two mod back in the day. That one I don't remember. I didn't see that one. I didn't discover it until I was in high school, um, so it was way past the time of Doom. But uh, yeah, people modded Doom Two. The I think there was the Sedgwick Hotel oh. and the rooftop. I believe. Nice. Um, also, Doom Two was one of the first ones that had like, uh, like readily popular cheat codes. That yeah. I remember. Uh, besides the Konami code, we all know the Konami code. But um, <laughs> um, yeah, Doom Two had had. Uh, of course, it was ID Software, ID Software. So they all started with ID. It was uh, let's see, IDDQD was God Mode. You couldn't be hurt. Um, IDKFA gave you all weapons and ammo and unlimited ammo. Yeah. Uh, uh, ID Clip. Allowed you to turn off the uh, the the object collision code, and you could clip through walls. You, yep. could, e- you could even clip outside the game environment completely. <laughs> um, I think ID Chainsaw just gave you the chainsaw. Like if you just wanted to fucking play with the chainsaw. Mm-hmm. Um, those are the only four that I remember off the top of my head. I'd have to look up the rest of them, but there was like five or six different different ID codes for doom yeah. <laughs> there was there was one that gave you unlimited ammo yeah that was idkfa i thought that just gave you all the weapons i thought it was i thought it was weapons and ammo see now you're gonna make me look this up <laughs> no you had to get the good ending scott to get the bandana to get the unlimited ammo <laughs> wait different game sorry yeah <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, um, okay, so here, I, IDDQD was God Mode, <laughs> IDKFA was all ammo and keys, uh, IDFA was, oh, okay, all ammo, no keys. So I didn't, re- I didn't realize, I didn't have the advantage of Google at the time, you had to learn these things through, you know, uh, the trades and stuff. Uh, so uh, I guess IDKFA stood for ID keys and fucking ammo or full ammo probably uh IDAFA potato is potato yeah uh id clev number number is is level select id behold is a, is all the power-ups it gives you berserk I, I remember that now uh id clip is you can pass through walls yeah <coughs> was there a paintball mode i don't think there was a paintball mode. was there a big head mode i don't think so was there slappers only? Sorry. <laughs> just rattling up shit from Goldeneye now. Sorry. Uh, nice. Was there yeah, Doom 2? <laughs> See, everybody bitches about odd job. Yeah, he was he was bullshit. If not, if you know how to play the game. It's it's okay. convoluted, but you can make any character crouch to the level of odd job. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in. okay. You gotta hold zoom and then hit down on the C button, the down C button, and hold that, and your character will crouch. 
It was weird. It was convoluted, but you could do it. Uh, anyway, off topic. Doom 2, great pick, Scott. Yep, yep, yep. The uh, the indie community has embraced that game, and uh, they are still making indie games based on that engine. Damn. Yes. I remember uh, one Thanksgiving. Uh, we always spent Thanksgiving in St. Louis with our, our aunt and uncle and cousins. I had an older cousin who had a PlayStation, which was like the brand new thing on the market. And he had Doom. I mean, it was Doom 2 for PlayStation. And he was never home because he was a teenager off being a teenager. But the PlayStation was downstairs in the basement. And that's where I was supposed to be sleeping. So as you can imagine, I got no sleep that entire Thanksgiving break. Because every time I was like, hey, John, time to go to bed. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go play Doom. <laughs> Until 6 a.m. when someone wakes up in the kitchen. Oh, crap, I better pretend to be asleep. <laughs> those are my my earliest memories of doom that's funny great game love it oh okay i i i don't mean to keep copying scott i swear to god <laughs> but before you could shoot people in the first person you had to settle for shooting people in the third person uh and this game much like uh doom May not have invented this genre, but it damn well perfected the run-and-gun genre. Uh, you knew this was coming because I'm talking about video games, so it's going to come up at some point. Uh, also has the greatest code, cheat code in all of history. I'm talking about Contra, um, specifically the NES version, although it was, did first come out to arcade, I think a like two years earlier it was on arcade. Uh, but the 88 NES port of Contra uh, is still like my all-time favorite video game. Uh, again, run and gun genre. So it's a bit of platforming because uh, you're running and or gunning. Uh, you're constantly shooting, dodging ammo, uh, en- incoming enemy fire, taking out increasingly crazy uh, uh, enemy types, shooting flying pods to get different weapon power ups and hoping it's not the laser, um, hoping uh. you don't lose spread. Uh, <laughs> it is one of those super frustrating uh, until you figure out the pattern and have it mastered kind of games. I uh, spent tons of hours of my childhood trying to get through and, and again, hearing rumors of, oh, so-and-so said they got to level five and it looks like this, or so-and-so said the the bad guy at the end is just a giant human heart. And you're like, what? That's bullshit. And then, oh, no, uh, that's what it is. Uh, but, but but while you're shooting it, there's fucking face huggers and xenomorphs coming at you. It's weird. Um, yeah. The cover art alone for this game would suck me in every time. Uh, it's one of those things where, like, NES cover art has kind of a fun, weird history of just, like, tracing and stealing art from movie posters. Uh, I think that one of the most famous ones is is the cover art for Metal Gear on NES is literally just Michael Bean from a, a, a promotional still from Terminator, um, traced and recolored. Uh, so on this cover, you've got Arnold from Predator, Stallone as Rambo, and a freaking xenomorph head in the background. So, who doesn't want to pop that in? Uh, And then, of course, the 30 Lives Code. And I know, again, uh, the Konami Code didn't originate with this game, but it's the first time I ever heard about it. And I only knew about it because the cashier who sold my mom the game told her about the code. So, whatever cashier was working the, I'm assuming, Kmart video game counter in 1989-ish in Freeport, Illinois, thanks. You did me a solid. <laughs> you know, um, Contra was a game that uh, 
spent a lot of time playing with uh, with my dad. We did a lot of bonding over that game. <laughs> and funny story, I was using the NES controller. I adapted to that pretty quickly. And my dad was just like, I can't use this piece of shit. <laughs> so he went to Radio Shack when Radio Shack was a big thing, right? Mm-hmm. And he purchased an arcade-style joystick. Well, it was more like a flight stick because it had a button on top and a button in the front. And this thing had micro switches in it. It was super clicky, clicky, clicky. And he could play that game and hang with me and beat it. (laughs) (laughs) It was awesome. Yeah. I was like, man, this is, uh, this is ridiculous. Props to him. That sounds awesome. Oh, yeah. Um, You were talking about the cover art. So the the cover art for Contra was done by a gentleman uh, by the name of uh, Bob Wakeland. And uh, if you do a search on YouTube, there's actually a uh, mini documentary thing on there about him where he's being interviewed and whatever else. And he got his inspiration for that cover art based on exactly what you said, Stallone, (laughs) Schwarzenegger, and Xenomorph. Um, And he is credited with doing a bunch of cover art uh, over the NES era for, you know, different games. Uh, Yeah, I I thought that that was a really interesting uh, documentary to see. Someone took the time to do that. And he even had his original you know, uh, from where he drew them up and, you know, submitted them to the, to the companies, publishing companies to say, here, here's what I got for you. Wow. Yeah. And you get to see that in this, uh, in this video. So super cool. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 Uh, I didn't mean that as like a disparaging, like, I love that cover art. Um, because especially because Contra is one of the games where like, you look at that cover and the game lives up to the cover. Because uh, that's what it is. It's it's two muscle-bound dudes uh, shooting enemies, that whole, like, one-man army 80s action movie aesthetic. And then after the level, like, five, I think, you're, you're blasting aliens. Like, it delivers exactly what the cover says you're going to get. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, some covers, not so much. But this cover lived up to exactly what, uh, what you were hoping it was going to be. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, okay, couple a uh, couple random tidbits for you guys on this. Okay. One. Um, so in uh, in Japan, it, the game was actually uh, called uh, Grizor, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and the uh, the game was released on the Famicom Disk System over there. So. We there was actually a lot of cut content that we didn't get over here in the U.S. Uh, in cartridge format. Like uh, in between each stage, there was a map that would show you your progress to the end. Uh, there was an opening cut scene that explained why the how the aliens got to Earth and w- why you're destroying them and you know your your whole mission <laughs> briefing. Not in America. No. No, game starts, was, drop in, start shooting. That's right. That's right. You know, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it is so interesting to learn this stuff, you know, because we didn't we didn't find out about, you know, the stuff that we missed or anything like that until, until the after 
And yeah, until pretty much the internet existed and people started playing with emulation. Uh, do you know uh, the the UK port for Contra slash Grizor? Yes, uh, Probector. Yes, <laughs> Probotector, yep. where yeah. everything is robots. And, yep, yep, and you know why, right? Uh, it was uh, um, standards and practices or whatever it's called over there. Yep, you was could it? not yeah. you could not depict a, a human doing violence to another human. I believe that's what it was. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they uh, they just did a uh, sprite swap, made everybody robots. So if you ever want to contract with more robots, go to the UK. <laughs> yep, <laughs> crazy town. Well, Stevesy, what else you got for us? All right, so my next game, and this is going to be one that Scott's going to love. I know, I know. Oh how... boy, he's loved <laughs> your list so far. <laughs> I know he's uh, he, he's taking it into the bathroom and wiped his ass with it. So at this point, he's going to flush it down the toilet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, my next pick is Castlevania Four for the SNES. Still need to play that one. Oh, yes, you do. Yes, you do. That game. Oh, my God. So this was a launch title for the uh, SNES here in here in the uh, United States. And, you know, Konami, which, you know, we've talked a lot about Konami tonight. Um, this being one of their flagship titles at the time, you know, they were like, OK, we got 16 bit. We got double the bits, bigger, better, better, bigger, better. You know, so, of course, they, instead of telling a new story, they instead decided to tell the, uh, retell the uh, story from the original Castlevania, but do some, uh, you know, add to it, add, add content to it. So, um, what, what we ended up with was, you know, a really long hike to get to Dracula's Castle, then you know, a really long hike through Dracula's castle. And one of the things that I just absolutely love about the game is the music. The music was so atmospheric and, you know, just really sucked you in. And one of my favorite uh, stages, it starts out, you're in a, uh, you're in like a foyer and you've got these hounds that are running towards you and attacking you. And then you climb up these stairs and all of a sudden you get like this, uh, 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 it's like piano music, you know, that's something you would hear in like a, uh, 1930s or forties, you know, uh, silent movie where they're, you know, chasing a train or trying to rob a train. And, um, and then you're in a ballroom and you've got all these ghosts that are dancers attacking you. And, oh, it was great. It was fantastic. Um, but, yeah, in, in this game, it gets chastised, too. And because, you know, they say that, well, they made Simon Belmont Sprite too big for for the game itself. Which, you know, yeah, that's that's a fair critique. And because he was, they scaled him up, they had to scale his whip up. So, and that made his uh, sub-weapons pretty much useless in that game, you know. <laughs> uh, you had sub-weapons on the NES games, and they mm-hmm. were to kind of fill in the blind spots for the limitations that 
your character had while traversing through the world of the uh, of that game. But here, you know, you could whip in eight directions. You could just hold your whip out and flail it around crazily. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> It was like, why do we need sub weapons? <laughs> so, but uh, but yeah, that that was that was always a wonderful game for me. And hell, I still try to play through it once a year around Halloween because it gives me the feel goods to do so. Perfect game for that time of year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I'm a little- okay, Scott. Shred me. <laughs> I don't I don't have anything negative to say really about it because I've never played it. What? Of course I've never played it. I don't like platformers. Yes, we know. And and literally in my opinion, you know, uh Castlevania, Castlevania 2, Castlevania 3, Castlevania 4, they're all just the same damn game. Metroid is the same damn game. Over and over and over and over again, ad nauseum. All right, you jump up to this platform. Cool, jump up to this platform. Don't get hit by the thing that's flying through. Now jump over to this platform. Don't get hit by the thing that's flying through. Hit your primary attack. Is it a weapon or a blaster? Is it a whip or a blaster? Hey, it doesn't matter. You just because you gotta make sure you can jump over to this next platform and not get. Oh, you just missed the platform by like one sprite. Darn, you fell to the bottom. I guess you're going to have to start all over. Ha, 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 ha. Fuck you, man. Man. You, you, you poor, poor child. <laughs> all the games just Show us on the doll where the platformer off. touched you. All, <laughs> yes. all of these games just pissed me off to no end. Hated them. Castlevania, Metroid, uh, Donkey Kong. What what are some other classic platformers? Mario. Mario. uh, I'm not going to name any because Scott's just going to shoot on them. Yeah. I I, I hate the whole platforming genre (laughs) as a a thing. Yeah. yeah, I just I, I can't stand it. I, I got nothing good to say about platformers at all. Well, so like I said at the top of the show, I'm not a huge fan of platformers either. However, and this is I think just more of a weird me thing, I'm fine with platforming if I have a weapon while I'm doing it. I love Contra. I'm a latecomer to Castlevania, but I love the original Castlevania. Uh, I'm still trying to track down. So I never had a Super Nintendo as a kid. So I'm just now in my late 30s discovering all the coolness that was Super Nintendo because my family went right from NES to Sega. Uh, we, we, we didn't go the Super Nintendo route. So I have not yet played Castlevania 4, but it is at the top of my list of games to try to find because uh, I'm also trying. I don't want to play emulators. I'm trying to find an actual cartridge to play on my Super Nintendo. Uh, same with Contra 3 Alien Wars. I've never played that game um, and I'm, I'm trying to find a cartridge that doesn't cost me an arm and a leg um but i seem to be fine with platforming as long as i can whip and or shoot stuff while i'm platforming well see you mentioned contra i don't consider contra a platformer okay Uh, primarily i consider it a side scroller because on on for the most part if you fall to the bottom yeah it, it you're in a sucky position but it doesn't kill you and force you to start over it does on certain levels on on the vertical levels, it does. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, on the vertical levels, you've got to keep jumping. And those are the levels of Contra I hate. hate uh, again, it's it's yeah. primarily run and gun, yes, but there's yeah. definitely some platforming involved in it. So There is, and I hate the platforming aspect. Yeah, That's fair. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I, I, yeah, I just I, I can't stand it. It just it just pisses me off. <laughs> well, Scott, what's a game that doesn't piss you off? Um, several games don't piss me off. Well, that's, that's what I was I was trying to cue. Hey, Scott, what's another game that does, that came so, out wrong? So, uh, one game that I loved. Once again, this is another computer game. I was primarily a computer gamer for a long time. I didn't become a quote-unquote console gamer. I had an NES. So when it comes to consoles, okay, I was I was I was Commodore sixty four, Atari twenty six hundred, NES, and then I did not have another console until PlayStation two. Wow. Yeah. I did not, I didn't do shit on Super Nintendo N64. In fact, I hate N64. Hate it. It is the shittiest controller of any controller ever designed by man. Okay, boomer. Yeah. <laughs> Screw that. Screw that. We're it's my childhood you're coming for, Scott. <laughs> we're going to take a standard controller and this new center controller, and we're going to mash them up into one controller. Yeah, it's like two controllers in one, but we're never going to make any game that uses the left-hand stick. Uh, we sure are. It's just there for the looks. Ah, uh, he's in on the joke, man. He gets it. <laughs> yeah. We're going to give him a D-pad. Never going to fucking use it. Never going to use it. Ever. Um. So, yeah, that always pissed me off. But, um, uh, yeah, I was primarily a, a, a PC gamer for a very, very long time. And one game that came out just blew my mind when it came out. I loved it. I know a lot of people, I'm going back to the first-person shooter genre, because it's kind of one of the things that I kind of stick to. Um, uh, I know after Doom and everything, everybody, you know, was like, oh, Quake. The Quake Engine, man, Quake, you know, the Unreal Engine, the Quake Engine, the Unreal Engine. It was great. It was awesome. Yeah, they were okay. But uh, I liked uh, Red Faction. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. The first of which came out in 2001. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, and it used, um, I forget what it was called. It was like the... Uh, <sighs> It, it, when, I, when, when, when I saw it originally, I think, you know, that, uh, what was it, THQ, I think was the name of the, the company uh, that, that put it out. Yeah. They put it out as uh, uh, the, the Red Engine, R-E-D, which, which stood for Real-Time Environment Destruction, and then later just became known as Geomod 2.0. But the fact that in this game... You could pretty much destroy any piece of environment. You could literally, if there was a door in your way and you had enough weapons and patience, you could ex explosively tunnel your way around the door if you wanted to. Because it was hmm. that awesome. The multiplayer maps were great. The multiplayer game was great. You know, you were you were on Mars and you were a miner, so you had these weapons that would literally just bore through rock uh, uh, and everything. You had it was great weapons. It was a good story. It was first person. It was science fiction, and you could destroy the environment. Yep. I mean, you know, 
I used to play Red Faction 2 a lot on PS2. See, I never played any of the others. I just played Red Faction. Uh, once we got past Red Faction, we went into Red Faction 2. Because Red Faction 2 is when they kind of switched primarily their platform to PlayStation 2. Mm-hmm. They, they didn't have a lot of uh, computer presence anymore uh, and such. So I never played any of the others. I just played Red Faction. But that was a fun game. I loved it. I love being able to destroy just about anything I wanted to. Uh, I I fell into Unreal Tournament, so I dabbled with Red Faction, but I didn't spend a lot of time with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is there is something to be said for that satisfaction of just being able to blow up anything you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, now that being said, I played some Unreal Tournament as well back in the day. Uh, I remember a friend of mine that I worked with. Uh, asked me if I wanted to come over. It was like a Friday night. He said, hey, you want to come over tonight and play some Unreal? I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll come over and play some Unreal. It was just he and I, you know. And he had a small apartment, and he had two computers that were networked, right? So I didn't have to bring mine. He's like, don't worry about it. I I, I got a machine. I'm like, okay, cool. And so both machines were sitting on, you know, like his kitchen table, okay? A little small mm-hmm. table. We're literally like two feet apart from each other. And we're playing this game. We're playing Unreal Tournament. And after about maybe five minutes or so, I kind of I, I got the level kind of memorized. And so he would spawn, and I'd run over and kill him. He would spawn, and I'd run over and kill him. He would spawn. And, like, this happened like six times in a row. And he's like, damn, how are you killing me so fast? And I looked at him, and I'm like, well, well I've got the level memorized. You know, it's not it's not that big of a level. I'm, I know. And, and and he's like, yeah, but how do you know where you're? How do you know where I'm spawning? And I looked at him like he was stupid, and I'm like, I'm looking at your screen, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't trying to hide it. He would spawn. I'd look at this, and I wasn't. I wasn't trying to hide it. I'd blatantly look at his screen. Well, that's where you're at. Okay, and <laughs> just go kill him. Yeah, you know it's funny. When uh, when I would play split screen games with people, you know, and we used to do a lot of split screen gaming back in the day, uh, I'd see somebody spawn in. Oh yeah, you're right over here. Ba 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 bow. Oh, you son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Man, talk about something that just doesn't exist anymore. Split screen gaming. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. God, Thank God it died. Remember when they tried to do vertical split screen for a while? That was the worst. I think me and me and Jay were playing. Uh, what was it called Army of Two back in the day? And I was like, "Hey, this is fun. Hey, the the new one's out. Let's go rent the new one." I forget what the second Army of Two game was called. We put it in, and it was vertical split screen, and on a white or a, a flat screen TV, everything was just like got smushed because you yeah. know it wasn't the proper ratio. We yeah. played it for about fifteen minutes. We yanked it right back out, put the first one back in. <laughs> yeah. I just remember oh man. Split screen. The only time I used to screen watch is playing. If, if, if we were doing a four-way run of uh, like Mario Kart 64 and I had somebody behind me, I would legit watch their screen to figure out when to drop the banana at the right time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I won't lie. I did it. That's funny. Oh. Split screen, man. All right. Um, so what you got for us, Peacock? Well, 
Uh, this one is kind of what sparked my idea for the whole thing. Is yeah, I'm, I'm sure you're aware. Uh, Scott may not be because Scott has a weird <laughs> habit of finding out about stuff way after it happens. Uh, but there is a, in fact, a new retro Ninja Turtles game currently available. Yep. For I think like every console. Um, yep. Shredder's Revenge. Um, yep. So that's what kind of sparked my mind of, of this topic. But if we're going to talk about that, we've got to talk about the game that inspired it, which is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the arcade game, uh, and or the port of the arcade game from 89 and 90, which was my introduction to the whole four-player, one-screen co-op beat-em-up kind of game. Uh, I mean, that arcade cabinet is legendary. Oh, yeah, and super expensive these days. I'll bet. I'll bet. <laughs> that, The Simpsons, uh, X-Men. That, like, yeah, that, yeah, that huge X-Men, like, six-player, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, hell, even the four-player X-Men one is, like, stupid money. I'll bet. Uh, I'm not, this game was, especially after, so the original, the first Ninja Turtles game for NES is not a bad game, but it's notorious for having that second level where you get to swim through the water and kids couldn't get past it and kids only ever ended up only ever playing like one level of the game and got disappointed. So having the arcade game ported to like basically every system available back in the day, uh, it was super fun because it's such a better game than the original Turtles game. It's so much more fun. You get to pick your turtle and beat, you know, the Foot Clan, which apparently the Foot Clan has uh, an entire rainbow of, of ninja colors corresponding to different weapons they're specialized in. Uh, I applaud the Foot Clan in this game for their organizational skills. There's, there's Purple <laughs> Foot Clan, Orange Foot Clan, Red Foot Clan. You name a color, there's Foot Clan, and they've got some kind of special to your weapon that goes with them. It's awesome. Um, well, you know, it's like it's like belts. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> they're moving up the ranks. New colors. Yep. Yeah, um, <laughs> but they always entered into a cool boss fight with fun characters like Baxter Stockman and Bebop and Rocksteady. Um, it was just, it was a great time. And, and it was because it was an arcade a game, it was designed to keep pumping quarters in. Um, so you could keep continuing, um, especially if you had the game GD and it had infinite continues, you could just keep going. Um, and, and for a kid who was not that great at it, that was, that, that was appreciated. Uh, not having oh, yeah. to start back over at the beginning every time I got killed. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember spending a lot of time with Turtles in Time on the uh, Super Nintendo, yeah. which was the which was the sequel to the uh, arcade game. Yeah, it, it was good stuff. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, good pick. Scott, any thoughts on Ninja Turtles the arcade game? I never played uh, really any of the Ninja Turtle games. The ones on NES or anything. I I dropped some quarters in the arcade game here and there, but never enough to actually get into the game. Okay. It was one of those games. It was it was in the same vein as like um, uh, Double Dragon. Yeah. Type thing, and and those games always those games always pissed me off as well. <laughs> but 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 those games those games pissed me off not from any fault of the game. Like okay. I can't, I can't hate the games on these. I, I, this is a deficiency on my part. Like for some odd reason, my like depth perception, like where I think I should be hitting the button to hit, the game isn't registering a hit. Mm. You know, <laughs> it's just the way the game is laid out. 
Gotcha. Scott Scott sees that three fourths view on the screen and he gets pissed. <laughs> I, I, I can't I can't do it. I just you know my brain doesn't ha- doesn't handle uh, uh, spatial awareness well at that that aspect ratio. Fair enough. So yeah. Now sorry. Yo, is it Streets of Rage the other big one? Or is it- um. Yes. That was the same kind of gameplay. Yeah, we had that for Genesis. Used to play that all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Scott, it could just be uh, that's you know a sign of a bad game is poor hit detection. So maybe it wasn't you. Maybe it really was the game. Yeah, pretty sure it was me on this one. Okay, okay. Let's <laughs> try to back you. <laughs> no, no, sorry. Uh, well, oh. any other games you guys want to talk about while we're here? That that's all I've got. Um, I got. I can go one more. Sure. Yeah, I've, I've got one more. Okay. That I really want to talk about. Well, Scott, why don't you go and we'll let Steve close it out for us. Okay. Well, so I'm going to stick in my first person shooter wheelhouse because apparently I love first person shooters back in the day and I still love them. And, and first I'm, person uh, flight sims. And first person flight it's sims. It's that spatial awareness. Scott just prefers first person. <laughs> I do. I like FPSs, I like flight sims. You know, loved uh, uh, Red Baron and stuff back in the day. Those were fun games. But one game, one game on computer, I played over and over and over again. It was, it was the next level of Doom Two. Like what Doom Two did for FPSs, this game carried it the next step further. It carried it. You know, I don't know about across the goal line, but it definitely crossed the uh, 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 carried the ball. Uh, across uh, midcourt, I'm gonna mix my sports metaphors here. <laughs> Yay, sports ball! Um, Duke Nukem 3D. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, come I get some of Duke Nukem 3D. Post-apocalyptic, um, sledgehammer, crass protagonist. You know. Uh, quoting, uh, uh, oh shit, is it Hell Comes to Frogtown or is it They Live? The uh, I've come here to kick ass and chew bubble gum, and I'm all out. They live, sir. That they live, okay, yeah. But props for a Hell Comes to Frogtown reference, okay, thank you. <laughs> Name dropping that will get you an added point. <laughs> I couldn't remember which one it was from, but yeah, he he, he well, he paraphrased it, mm-hmm. you know, in that the first game that I saw that you could A. Use the bathroom in and regain health, right? <laughs> I don't really understand. But also, the game had glory holes. It, yes, it did. Awesome. And and strippers shaking it, baby. Strippers, yep. yes. That you could then kill. You know what? Grand Theft Auto talks about hookers you could kill all the time. You know what? Duke Nukem did this. Duke Nukem 3D did this shit long before. And, and Duke Nukem would quip about it while doing it. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, wonderful first-person shooter. You know, post-apocalyptic. You're killing aliens. You've got jetpacks. You've got futuristic weapons. And you're literally just a, just a rowdy, rowdy piper. You know, they live uh, character. Uh, Jack Burton kind of a character. You know, uh, just just going around chewing a cigar and and doing your thing with with one-liners galore. It was great, but one of my favorite remembrances, one of my favorite things that I loved about this was 
We would play. Just yeah, just replace me. It's fine. You can. That was completely accidental. Shut up, Jay. We kicked you out of here a while ago. Um, one of my favorite memories of this. So we played this multiplayer back in the day when we were at Eastern Kentucky University. Okay. Okay. The internet really wasn't a thing beyond bulletin boards. So in order to play this, myself and my buddy Jeremiah, we would we would dial each other's computer directly. And uh, so we were playing one day. I was on my end of campus. He was on his end of campus. We were playing. And there was a room that you could get into. So there's a room that had one door in and one door out, right? Okay. But there was an air shaft that you could get in that overlooked this room. Now, from the person who's inside the air shaft, you could see out. But from anybody in the room, if you looked at the air shaft, all you saw was the graphic of the air shaft. So you couldn't see into the in, into the, the crawl space. And we had cheat codes turned on to where we gave us unlimited ammo because we didn't want to have to bother gathering ammo. We were just out to kill each other as much as possible. And so I'm up in this thing and I had like like unlimited pipe bombs. So what you would do, <laughs> you would throw a pipe bomb and it would pull up a detonator. And if you hit your trigger, you would detonate and you would explode the pipe bomb. But if you hit the weapon select for pipe bomb again, you would put the detonator away and you would pull out another pipe bomb. And you could keep throwing pipe bombs for as many as you had. And so I filled this room with pipe bombs. I mean, <laughs> filled. Right? Now, another thing, if somebody dropped a pipe bomb and you ran over it, you could pick it up. So if somebody's trying to kill you with pipe bombs, you can you could pick them up fast enough. It was okay. But, so I'm sitting there, this, this, this room is filled with pipe bombs. And I'm up there and I'm hiding in this room and I've got the detonator and I'm holding it. I'm just waiting for him to come in this room. I'm just waiting for it. And... All of a sudden, the door on one side of the room opens, and I see him standing in the doorway, and he moves forward a little bit, but then he stops. And he's standing in the doorway, and I'm like, shit. He saw the pipe bombs. He's not going to come in. Right? But then, a text message pops onto my screen. So what he did was, he stopped to type me a message. <laughs> the message that he stopped to type was, ooh, I found pipe bombs. <laughs> <laughs> and he runs into the room and you can hear him going picking up the pipe bombs and I'm like huh click <laughs> and the screen froze because <laughs> there were so many pipe bomb animations going off at once <laughs> and then all of a sudden it clears all at once and it just goes Jeremiah's dead. <laughs> and I get this text message goes, oh man. <laughs> that um, is hilarious. Yeah. But I love, love, love Duke Nukem 3D. And if there's any way that we could get Duke Nukem 3D back with the three of us playing multiplayer, by God, I would love to do that. I don't know if there is or not, but I'd love to. Uh, I'm sure there's a way we can figure that out. 
I could probably make that happen. <laughs> Scott's not allowed to use pipe bombs, though. Oh, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I almost didn't even text. Ooh, pipe bombs. <laughs> Ooh, knowing, pipe. knowing what's going to happen. Ooh, piece of candy. Yeah, right. <laughs> Great. Well, Steve, yeah. bring it home. What do you got for us? All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna step way back to 1986, or yeah, 1986. Um, this is the game that it really just kind of started my obsession with gaming. This was, you know, if, if there was a if there was a point that defined me as a gamer, it was. It was at this time, and Scott's already mentioned it, and he's going to hate it. He already said he hates it. (laughs) Uh. (coughs) That game is the original Double Dragon in arcades. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Yes. Um, So this game, it was was made by uh, Technos uh, Japan. It was... uh, it was a sequel to a uh, game in Japan called Kunio-kun, which uh, the guy that made this uh, made this game series, Kunio-kun, it's about uh, these uh, high school students, you know, in their uniforms, and they're, you know, going around fighting and beating the shit out of each other. And the developer actually based that off of his personal experiences when he was in high school. Um, apparently they were pretty rough and tumble and, you know, hardcore like that. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, Double Dragon, I don't know what it was, but it hit all the dopamine triggers in my brain when I was a little kid. And I was just like, oh my God, I just can't get enough of this. And my God, the game was janky. It was held together with glue and tape and, uh... Just any any other analogy that you can think of. It it ran at half the speed it should have, but it was a hell of a lot of fun. Um, and I remember just going to the bowling alley with my sister. You know, they were bowling league at the time, and I would go in there and I would just pump this machine full of quarters all night and play this game. And I actually uh, finished it a few times. Nice. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, um, but yeah, it that that was my the moment in my life that I was like, oh my god, I'm I, I am a gamer. This is me. This is what I'm about. You know, I obsessed over this game. I lost sleep over this game. I, yeah, <laughs> I, I had a problem, <laughs> and uh, it was it was all owed to Double Dragon. My, I have one Double Dragon story, and it's not even about the game. It's about the terrible movie they made, uh, which I don't recommend anyone watch. I do not recommend it. Um, But that was the movie that taught me and my friend how to adjust the color on your TV. Because we got into a playground feud over what colors were their uniforms in Double Dragon. (laughs) Red and blue. No, they're yeah. red and green. No, no, they're red and blue. No, they're red and green. 
they're red and they're blue. No, they're red and they're green. So we went home and he popped it in. He went, yeah, see, look, they're green. I'm like, the fuck? They're green? What the hell? So I go home <laughs> and I pop it in and just like, did I get a bad tape? No, they're blue. What the hell? So then we figured out what those knobs on the bottom of the TV are for. <laughs> you adjust your tint and your color. And oh, hey, look, they're blue now. <laughs> So and then he was like, then he was like, I don't like this. <laughs> yeah, I like mine better. Put it back to green. <laughs> right. <laughs> we just thought it was a janky TV. We didn't realize the color was messed up on it. So, yeah, that's my double <laughs> dragon story. <clears throat> that's hilarious. Uh, the good old, good old CRT televisions, man. God, I played, I played a shitload of games on. <laughs> on crts back in the day you know uh, mm. we all did you know crt computer monitors in scott's case and yeah yeah, yeah. And, and i repair those things now and <laughs> they, they drive me nuts i'll bet yeah so all right scott well, you want to shit you want to shit on double dragon real quick no no and like i said so uh, I don't hate Double Dragon. I played the shit out of Double Dragon. Uh, what? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I did. Uh, I played the shit out of Double Dragon. Um, uh, my problem is, I'm just, and, and when I, my problem with these style of games is just me. The, the fault is all with me on this. I have no fault against the, the game of Double Dragon. It's just apparently I can't play them. Um,. <laughs> I've never beaten Double Dragon. Uh, I just, I don't know. I just, I, I can't, I can't do it. Uh, I don't know. Once again, I can't hate on the game itself because it's not a fault of the game. It's a fault of me. <coughs> okay. All right. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah, fair enough. Well, there is our trip through memory lane of some of our favorite old school video games. Uh, do you like our list? Do you hate our list? What should we have included? Um, I want to thank Steve for coming out and giving us some deep cuts like Adventures of Link. Um, <laughs> that was a deep cut and I appreciate it. Uh, I want to thank Scott um, for all the screen watching. Uh, uh, <laughs> And uh, I want to thank Jay for being just, for, you know, present in every moment on this show. We, we really appreciate that, Jay. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> um, you can uh, learn more about uh, Steve and what he does in uh, his awesome pinball kingdom at Retro Tech Studios. Uh, he's on the TikToks because he's cool like that. Um, yep. And this has been... Uh, another episode of your favorite podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. This has been your weekly Nerd Alert. Whoop, whoop.